morning, good morning, good morning. Gable Smith, welcome everybody to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Obviously uh, doing something a little different today with Soundgarden. Fell on Black Days, opening things up. Yeah, this is the 90s rock version of the show. Something I've been wanting to do for a long time. And hey, we're going to change it up since uh, we're all quarantining and life as we know it is totally different. I figured this will break up the monotony a little bit. And these are the tunes, the bands that I grew up on. And I do think we'll do a, a classic rock version somewhere on down the line. Is that was the stuff my dad played. I remember, you know, on the way to school every day, and so that stuff has a special place for me uh, as well. But when I think about my childhood, it's uh, these are the bands that that you know I I listen to the most, and I put out there on Facebook, hey, all you Gen Xers, what do you want to hear? And so a lot of this stuff. These requests came from you guys and gals as uh, we are literally rocking and rolling today on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Thanks for being here as we've got a good one lined up for you. I'm excited about it. So you know what to do by now. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat up old thermos because off the top, our old friend, Game Warden, uh, Cook County Game Warden, Stormy McQuiston will join us. Y'all might recall we had him on a couple of years ago when the would have been Texas state record archery buck was poached in Denton County. He worked that case and gave us the lowdown uh, once all of the charges had been filed. And um, yeah, a hell of a hell of a case and amazing deer. Unfortunately, that was poached at night by a uh, bow hunter. And so, in a different vein, though, we've got some stuff concerning the use of tannerites and people blowing up feral hogs that we're going to get into today, uh, among other things, with Stormy. And then uh, at the bottom of the hour, Brian Lynn, our good friend from Sportsman's Alliance, will be here, uh, VP of Communications. And we're going to discuss some of the pressing legislation that right now is on hold. Uh, but stuff being introduced by the anti-hunting faction, a lot of it concerning hunting dogs, and uh, keeping dogs outside, which if these bills were passed on state levels would be the end of, of houndsmen um, and guys who run kennels you know, for upland hunting. Yeah, forget about it. If your dogs are outside, you might be convicted of a felony. Also, African uh, trophies, new laws that would ban the possession of them. Certainly the importation, I mean, that's already under fire. But certainly lots of interesting stuff to get into with Brian here this morning as well. So that's what's on the docket for today. Uh, spring turkey is here also. Looking forward to that. I've got a hunt planned for next week. And uh, I'm doing things a little different. I'll be tent camping instead of staying in a lodge because I don't want to be around other people. And to be frank, uh, I don't even want to stay in the lodge. I don't care how good they've cleaned it. I don't know who's been there. And I'm taking the social distancing thing seriously. So... It'll be my buddy, devoted archer, and I, and I might give him, I might make him take a test before we hit the woods. No, probably not, but uh, we will stay a safe distance away from each other <laughs> while we are out there uh, in South Texas chasing those long beards. Uh, I've seen a lot of folks fishing this week as well. I went out a couple times, see if the largemouth were on the beds, and there were a ton of folks outside wetting the line, so that was great to see. Uh, wonderful thing to do while we are all having to stay a safe distance away from each other. 
Uh, but that doesn't mean you can't get out there and still enjoy the great outdoors. Actually, it means you probably have more time to do just that. So get out there, wet a line, uh, strike up a song with a gobbler with that old box call. Uh, it's a great time to be alive in the great outdoors. Let's do a uh, let's do a quick giveaway. I've got a box of Havilon knives, and we've got a Havilon Barracuda here to give away today. It's a fillet knife, one that I use in the kitchen all the time. Also great for cleaning fish, and we'll give it away to we'll make it open to everybody. All you need to do is email Barracuda, that is Barracuda, to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com, and you're entered to win this awesome Havilon blade here. Let's take a break. Up next, Game Warden Stormy McQuiston drops by. Do we need to do a better job of policing ourselves as a hunting community? We discuss next on the Lone Star Outdoors Show. I never opened myself this way. Life is ours. We live it our way. British Columbia is world-renowned for its beauty and wildlife, and Vancouver Island is revered as a magical place by hunters. Vancouver Island Coastal Bear Adventures specializes in taking mature trophy black bears with 18-inch minimum skulls in the 6.5 to 7.5-year range. They also have Roosevelt elk tags and only take Boone and Crockett bulls each fall. 60% of their guiding area is located on private land. So whether you're looking for a Boone or black bear, once-in-a-lifetime Roosevelt elk, or a giant cougar, They've got the hunt for you. Visit VancouverIslandBearHunt.com to book your hunt today. That's VancouverIslandBearHunt.com. Howdy, folks. I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of North Texas in Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, McKinney, Paris, and Sherman. Visit BobcatOfDallas.com today. Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. That is Cody's Possum Kingdom, taking me back uh, to junior high on that one. Man, great to be here talking, hunting, fishing, the great outdoors with you on the 90s rock edition of the Lone Star Outdoor Show. I asked you guys and gals for some of your favorite 90s tunes, and I'll be damned if they weren't pretty much the same stuff that I listened to back in the day. We'll get back to our normal alternative slash Texas country Americana music theme as usual next week, uh, but figured we'd uh, do something different. Anyway, this segment of the show is brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, the worldwide leader 
in big game conservation, I'd personally like to invite you to get plugged in with this great group of folks who are passionate about hunters' rights, education, and conservation. For more info, check us out at biggame.org. Okay, with that being said, let's bring on our first guest today. Joining us from Cook County, it is my pleasure to welcome Texas Parks and Wildlife Game Warden Stormy McQuiston back to the show. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me back, Cable. Yeah, it's been a couple years since our last uh, visit following you guys cracking the case of what would have been the state record archery buck that was poached in Denton County. I imagine that's probably the most high-profile case you've worked, huh? Uh, I mean, it, it's high-profile. I mean, it, it was at the time and, yeah. and still is. I mean, that's a that's a career case for a game board to make, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean... I, I could say that I've, I've worked some really, really, really good deer cases um, in the past in Denton County, and, and uh, you know, they weren't quite as high profile as that. But, I mean, those deer were pretty pretty large. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you get on Lake Louisville, and you're on Lake Louisville for 11 or so years. We, you know, we've, we've had some massive drug cases and stuff out there. So, I mean, it, it's all how you want to look at it. Yeah, just part of the job, I guess. One time I was uh, duck hunting out on on a finger of Lake Louisville, and this is, God, this had to be over a decade ago, and uh, came across a a deer feeder set up out there. And as you know, there's no deer hunting on on that piece of property, so sure, it kind of pissed me off to be honest with you. Uh, well, it should. <laughs> yeah, it did. It should. I made a phone call, yeah. and it wasn't there after the next time I went out there. So. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, people don't they don't look at Denton County uh, as far as being one of the counties in our area that that people hunt or or fish or all that kind of stuff. And you know, I, I beg to differ. Yeah, uh, it's it's pretty crazy at certain times of the year. Uh, you know, and that's why there's five game wards in Denton County. You know, it it keeps everybody on their toes. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, since I've since I guess I've talked to you last, I've transferred into Cook County, so I'm the only game warden in Cook. Mm-hmm. And so, what uh, what were some of the most egregious poaching acts that you witnessed this past season? And you don't have to go into detail; we don't want names or anything. But what are just some of the things that these these dumbasses are out there doing? Well, I mean, they, you know, when it comes giving hunters to, uh, a bad name, and and that's the thing you got to remember: these are not hunters; these are poachers. So. Right, right. Well, and that's that's why we have jobs. Right. So, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, they go from all different ends of the spectrum. You know, there's, you know, there's still guys out there that try to do the the right thing, even though they might mess up a time or two. And yeah, there's violations that are there. I mean, it it's hard to call folks like that poachers, you mm-hmm. know. On, but when you get egregious things that that are going on, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, you know, I, I think I worked a case. Uh, this winter that uh, a guy shot a deer and left it lay. He thought it wasn't big enough and he had seen bigger deer out there and he just let it lay. Mm. Um, so that's, you know, do you call that guy a poacher? Well, yeah, kind of. I mean, he's, he's basically robbing us of our resource yeah. there no, absolutely. You know, and, and wasting it. So uh, uh, I thought at first you meant he left it because it didn't meet ARs, but no, he just didn't want to burn a tag on it. Yeah, he he didn't want to burn a tag. He, he thought his buddies were going to make fun of him because the deer was small, and it really wasn't that small of a deer. I mean, it was a 135 inch whitetail. And, oh wow! And uh, he most folks would call lay. that a trophy. Absolutely, 
absolutely. I mean, it, it, I mean, what if you had a 10 or 11 year old kid that shot that deer? I mean, yeah. that's an outstanding deer. There was nothing wrong with the deer. It was plenty wide, uh, with antler restrictions and stuff. It just made a bad decision. Uh, hmm. you know, and you know, not to say that all of us haven't ever made bad decisions before, but you know, those are some that we do catch and you know, there's a lot that we don't. Yeah. So, I got, uh, see, I've gotten, this was about 12 years ago. I got a citation cause I didn't have my hunter education card on me mm-hmm. and it was Christmas day and it was Eric mentor who a couple years after this, this happened, I would interview him on that Kaufman County monster that he shot. Uh-huh. And uh and so I was like, "Hey, do you remember Christmas Day like 2006?" And he was like, <laughs> "Was that you?" And I was like, "Yeah, you gave me a ticket cuz I didn't have my hunter education card on my possession." He's like, "Yeah, it was just cuz it was Christmas Day and I didn't want to be out there." <laughs> you no, know, I mean yeah, that was the gist of it. But no, he got called out on Christmas morning and and uh we had permission to hunt this property and my buddy's dad had leased it to a you know rancher to to run cows and and he had changed the lock combination so we just parked at the gate and hopped the fence and uh and the neighbors heard a bunch of shooting and we walked out with a couple limits of i think we they were widging and uh he was he was he wasn't so mad at us he was just mad that he had to be out there but it was funny because you know interview him about that big buck he shot and and he certainly remembered it so yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely. But that doesn't make me a poacher, you know. I, I got a, I got a citation. I think, you know, all I had to do was send in the, my proof of hunter education, and it was like uh, maybe ten dollar fine at the time. It wasn't exactly, very exactly. And, you know, we we do that, we do that sometimes. Uh, you know, and, and honestly, that's one of the better citations that we can write. You know, we get all the time that hey, I've got it. It's you know, it's at home, or I lost my card. You know, we get excuses all the time on that stuff. Uh, you know, and typically we'll ride it and, you know, lo and behold, the, the folks didn't have their hunter ed. Well, I mean, obviously you have to have it in the state to hunt yep. uh, if you're born after a certain date. And and regardless, you know, you get lied to or whatever, it's still a great citation to write uh, because what it does is it forces someone to take it. Um, you know, and it's too easy not to take the course. And, and you know, game wardens all across the state do it differently. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's that's sometimes, you know, a better citation that we can write because it forces you to take the class. And everyone uh, should. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't know what excuse I gave him as to why I didn't have, I think, I think it was in like a different blind bag or something. Right. But, uh, right. but now it, ever since that day, it's always right there in my wallet, in my pocket. So. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, think about it this way from a game order's perspective, you know, you, you walk into a dove field that's got 200 or 300 hunters in there it's pretty easy to see who's taking the class and who hadn't, you know, mm. by the amount of shotguns you've got pointed at your chest or your belly or your forehead, you know, and yep. we're all the time having to grab barrels of shotguns to keep them out of our face because people just, they haven't taken the class or they don't have enough sense. It shouldn't be waving that thing around, but they don't, they don't understand the consequences of something bad happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, sir. But here's one uh, I had on my friend Jeff Jackson last week, and um, he had he had shot this buck in South Texas. It was MLD. It was like early October, and he buys a, a hunting license every September for dove season, and then his dove hunt got canceled. He forgot to buy his license, and he shot that buck, 
without a license, um, which, you know, a couple of weeks later, knock on his door, game wardens come, and they take his buck and write him a citation for like $300 taking a whitetail deer without um, a uh, hunting license. Mm-hmm. And it was a high fence ranch. And he thought that was the end of it. And then he gets hit with a $19,000 fine for restitution, civil restitution. And that's where I was like, man, that just seems, and you can give me your thoughts on this. Um, but it just seems ridiculous because the state of Texas doesn't want to have really anything to do with that deer. That deer was bred to be that big. And that deer was never coming out of the high fence. The state doesn't want it out of the high fence. And yet he's having to pay restitution like it was a low fence deer. And so, I don't know. It seemed to me like a flat fine of like, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars should, would make more sense, especially since the high fence right. does are worth more than a buck. But if he had shot right. a doe, it would have been like a thousand dollar fine. So the whole thing just seems kind of skewed. Well, those and back those to the honest mistake. Fine. You know, Jeff's not a poacher; he's a lifelong hunter, and absolutely, you know, absolutely. And that, you know, that's that's an honest mistake that that people are going to call. You know, well, the guy's a poacher, this and that. Well, really, he's not. That's that's not the definition of right <laughs> poacher's design. You know, yeah. Uh, but you know, he, he, you know, obviously, you could go on and all on all day about you know having opinions for low fence deer and high fence deer and whether or not those deer inside the high fence should be property of the state of Texas. No, no, no. Let me be clear. I want them to be property of the state of Texas. I just think yeah. there needs to be some kind of caveat was like, okay, well, we can't charge a guy 19 grand for a, a buck that we really, you know, you or I, low fence hunters, never going to benefit from that deer. So why does it have the same value as one that's out there on the open range? And to me, it just doesn't. Yeah. Well, and, you know, that's, you know, that's that's part of those deer these deer a doe even any animal that you see has a set civil restitution yeah. uh feed based from the state i guess from the ag's office or you know whatever wherever you want to call it um you know and and when you're dealing with a buck deer you know that value is based on how big its antlers are or what it's going to score you know mm-hmm. uh doe's going to have a set value um, you know, just like a dove has got a set value on it. Um, and then sometimes those things increase. Well, the bigger deer you shoot, the bigger buck deer you shoot that scores, you know, a tremendous amount like that is going to be more in value. And I see what you're saying. Yeah, You're saying that it shouldn't have that value to the state because it is a high fence deer. Um, but you know, here again, I'm <laughs> the law. I know, I know the thing, you know, the law is black and white. There's no gray area. It just it seems is. like and, it just seems like that's totally a gray area. <laughs> you sure, know, and, like, and you know, we, we there's a lot of gray area yeah. out there, you know, and and uh, you know, I I see it firsthand. There's a lot of big deer that get out of these high fence places. I oh mean, yeah, there's a lot. Of, there was one in know. East Texas, I know for a fact, got shot this year. It was a nice nice buck. Absolutely, absolutely, it's happening all the time. Um, you know, and I I don't know. Uh, you know, it, it all things would have been kosher if he would have had his hunting license. Oh yeah, we and he doesn't blame he. It, you know what he said during our discussion, and I give him credit for coming on and talking about it because it was pretty. It was this is a year and a half later, Grant, you for him uh-huh. to finally get over it enough. But he said not one person he dealt with with from the game wardens to the the colonel, the tech, you know, game warden at Texas Parks and Wildlife mm-hmm. said every one of them was so kind and. They were all very apologetic, you know. <laughs> it didn't help his wallet, but he, he said, you know, I understand they're just doing their jobs. It just that's right, yeah. you know, and and that goes back to the to the deer that was shot in Denton County a couple of years ago. You know, 
we're doing our job and yeah, we did it well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we came to amends, you know, and I, I think it all worked out for both sides the best it could, Yeah, you know? And, uh, I mean, you know, you throw common sense in there and we'll all get through it eventually. Yeah. So, well, Stormy, I'm certainly enjoying the conversation uh, a lot more. I want to get into today, particularly there's one video that went viral, uh, you know, unfortunately, to be honest with you here, uh, recently. And, and I want to talk about that next are you cool to stick around for a few more minutes absolutely cable all right so after the break um hogs being blown up with tannerite good bad or indifferent we discuss with uh, game warden stormy mcquist in that segment brought to you by all seasons feeders and blinds and the little squealer hog light 59.99 uh, for this actually it's a boar light i think is what it's called little squealer boar light uh, you can attach it to your feeder to a tree Near your feeder, it's got uh, motion sensors, LED lights, and it's yours for $59.99. Can't beat that. You can find it at allseasonsfeeders.com. We'll be right back with more on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. If you're looking for a thermal hog hunt near DFW, then Three Curl Outfitters has you covered. Offering fully guided thermal hunts just minutes south of Dallas, guide Scout daily to put you on the bacon. Using thermal imaging technology to hunt feeders, crop fields, and river bottoms, you get unlimited hogs and no kill fees. Visit www.3curl.com. Also offering corporate hunts and food and lodging available by request. Book at 3curl.com or call 214-455-0940. Food Fighters bringing us back on the 90s rock edition of the Lone Star Outdoor Show. One of my all-time favorite bands there. And you know, throughout this process, as we are changing the format for today's show only, episode 525, by the way, so many bands that you know, I haven't heard in a, in a while that y'all mentioned on that Facebook post, like the Meat Puppets, uh, Offspring, stuff like that, that unfortunately, since we can only play 10 songs... Uh, per show, a lot of great stuff got left out. Blind Melon, another one. Uh, but thanks for all the great recommendations as we are taking a walk down memory lane here today. But Foo Fighters, I tell you, I took my brothers. I think I was probably a freshman in college. My middle brother, a senior in high school, and that would have made my youngest brother probably an eighth grader. <laughs> and uh, so I took him to see Foo Fighters and Weezer. And uh, Dave Grohl, lead singer of Foo Fighters, comes out and about halfway through the set, mentions that he can't get this big old cocaine booger out of his nose. So uh, that was eye-opening, I'm sure, for an eighth grader. And 
I was mortified and just keeping my fingers crossed that he didn't tell our good old-fashioned Southern Baptist parents about that comment. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm Cable Smith. Thanks for being here today as uh, we are visiting with Cook County Game Warden Stormy McQuiston. And we're about to get into the interesting topic of people using Tannerite to blow up feral hogs. And this segment of the show is brought to you by Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. If you're on the way to the crappie hole or the turkey woods this spring, grab a six-pack. And remember, celebrate tight lines and long beards responsibly with an ice-cold Lone Star Beer. All right, uh, let's pick it back up with Game Warden Stormy McQuiston. Uh, Stormy, thanks for sticking around. Certainly appreciate it. Yes, sir. I figure at this point, though, we'll transition into what I what I wanted to get into today and it was a post I made on Facebook a couple weeks ago about people posting videos of themselves blowing up hogs with tannerite. And between you, me, and the listeners, Stormy, I don't give a crap if people blow up hogs with tannerite. I really don't. Like, if you want to blow up your feeder in the process with there's 10 hogs around it, I don't care. But I don't want to see it on the internet because it makes us look bad. My thing is nothing good can come from it. Yeah, so. I mean, it, it it's going to be, you know, this is another one of those opinionated deals. And oh, and, and people were like, "Oh, you're so soft. You've gone, you've gone soft on this cable." And I was like, "No, I mean, what what good does it do it to anyone that's on the fence?" And that's who we're trying to. That's the that's the audience that we're trying to cater to as hunters, right? Is that's right. We don't care about the non-hunters. We don't care about PETA. It's nice. It's funny to you know make fun of them once in a while, but uh, sure. those people are too far gone. It's the people on the fence, which is the majority of the population, that probably don't hunt, but hey, they know their neighbor does, and, and he gives them a backstrap, and you know, every fall, and they're cool. They think, oh, that's, that's awesome. Right. Um, that's right. Those people see that stuff, and they're like, what is wrong with, with hunters? Yeah, it's that is definitely a black eye when you see things like that. Um, you know, and, and unfortunately... The instance of of blowing a bunch of pigs up with tanner out underneath a feeder, uh, unfortunately, it's not against the law. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I wish there was a way, like everybody else, you know, these farmers and ranchers that need to get rid of them. Uh, yeah, absolutely, they need to be gotten rid of. That is not necessarily the way I would condone doing it mm-hmm. by any means. Uh, but it is legal, and so I'm not going to fault those guys. They, you know, would I do it? Correct. Would you do it? No, but okay. Absolutely not. But the video that that, I mean, you didn't even see the video because I would never post the video that we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. But you knew immediately from the, the the post that I made on Facebook was just a statement. Y'all quit acting like idiots, you know. Basically, is what I said. Stop posting this stuff. Yeah. And you'd message yeah. me and said, "Do you know who posted the video?" And the video was some guys had a hog in a trap that they released and basically had a funnel and they forced it into this part of a field and then blew it up with tannerite while they all sat around their trucks. And I don't, it was a group of people. I mean, it was a spectacle. And then they were and everyone was sitting around high five and laughing about it. You know, it was a uh, pretty abhorrent to be honest. Yeah, it was, it was pretty hard to watch. I'd actually, I, I had seen it the first day that it had came out. Uh, and myself, as well as a couple other game wardens, were doing a little bit of research trying to figure out who posted the video, uh, and and because it it was shared so many times that I, we were having a hard time of tracking down who actually originally posted it. Mm-hmm. And it it looked like it was up in my county, up in the northwest 
part of Cook County because with all the windmills in the background. So, hmm. you know, we still haven't haven't figured out uh, who posted it, um, and which we're still looking into it. We very well might find out sooner or later. But once you once you trap those animals, and this, and this animal, this I trapped, didn't know. You know, I just equated this with the same as the guys shooting them at the feeder. You know, uh, that's yeah, too and bad, it, but it's not. It's it, it is not the same. You know, you've seen those videos of guys shooting those pigs under the feeders with the Tannerite block there. Um, and that's that's not illegal to do. Uh, I mean, there there's five or 10 or 12 pigs around a feeder and they shoot them and you know, they go flying up in there and everybody's drinking beer and hooping and hollering and whatever. That You know, that's not illegal to do. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I, I, I honestly, you know, again, this is an opinionated statement. I, I think it should be. But when you when you capture and you trap these pigs, like in this other video that you're talking about, and then you release that animal and do what they did, they had the tannerite tied to it and they shot it and it blew the pig up. When you do that, oh, the tannerite was tied to the pig. Yes. Oh, okay, yes. I missed that in the video. I just thought they kind of forced it to run one way and then they had the tannerite no, sitting there. I- the way I noticed it and the way that we took the video was that the tanner out was tied to the pig itself. Wow. Um, because the pig takes off out of the trap mm-hmm. and you got a couple of guys over here on the other side of the trap that shoot the pig when it runs out in front of them and it blows the pig up. Yeah. Well, once, once that pig is released out of that trap like that, that becomes an animal cruelty case. Mm. Um, and yeah, you're going to get people say, well, it's just a pig, blah, blah, blah. So many people. Oh, okay. Well, you're yeah, so soft. It, you're so it, soft. It is big. <laughs> we have laws that. Like, okay, well, you don't support the that. second amendment anymore. <laughs> like, this has nothing to do with any of that. It's just, I don't want to see that crap on the internet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and if, if you or I don't see it online, then we don't, there we have no beef with it because we never saw it in the first place right but when you go to posting that stuff and you make it public online everybody in the dog sees it and believe it or not that's a third degree felony what those guys did mm-hmm. by releasing that pig out of that cage um and letting it go because they've already trapped it in the state of texas that is a third degree felony mm. uh, whereas doing it underneath the feeder and then pigs not being trapped is not yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's the interpretation of the law, and that's how it, that's that's exactly what it states. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we we've been looking for those guys and and haven't come across a, a who did it yet, and and you know we're mm-hmm. we just need a lead or two, and we might get a hold of that. But, yeah. yeah. See, and that's why I wanted to have you on to, to make sure people understand that that is a a felony offense. Yeah. Yeah. It absolutely is. When when that when that hog was trapped and then released and then they do that after it's released, that is a third degree felony. Yeah. And you can look, I mean, all you have to do is read the statute, uh, and it, it states it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty well black and white cut and dry. Yeah. So, yeah. You well, know, and I, I get, I get the whole, fi- I'm a, I'm a rancher myself. We own cattle, we own property, and we know the damage that these things do to property. You know, I understand it and I get it. But like you said, you being in the business of of making a living from hunting, it's definitely a black eye for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the way I look at it is this. That neighbor that you gave the backstrap to, 
what is going to what about this is going to make him want to go out and buy a hunting license and be a part of our community? Right? Zero. Yeah. Zero. Exactly. Zero. And this is why our hunting license sales are declining. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my encouragement. And it's the same reason, Stormy, that I don't, you know, I recently got into trapping and I have, you know, I've gone to, uh, I did a week in British Columbia when we caught wolves and lynx and wolverine and coyotes. And some of those animals were alive in the traps and some weren't. And I never posted any picture of them alive in the trap. And then right. same thing, I started trapping coyotes here in North Texas this year. And I caught my first one. And, and uh, again, only pictures of it after it's been dispatched. Because those animals are terrified when you walk up on them, you know. And sure. and I don't, I get it. People want to take pictures of that. And they want to send it to their buddies. Fine. That's fine with me. But again, just be cognizant of posting that. It can go viral. That's right. Because we are, like you said a second ago, losing hunters. Our license sales are down every year, and, and we're at we're at a crossroads. If we're not there already, we're we're approaching it very quickly. Um, Absolutely. There are people that want to take this away from us. Lots of them. Yes, sir. And they're loud. They do exist. They are loud. Yes, so, they are. Yeah. Oh. In other news, uh, you you and I were talking off the air about uh, what's going on with spring fishing. So the uh, Sandy's in full spawn. What are the crappie doing? And have you seen largemouths move it up into the shallows yet? Well, you know, they, they are starting to catch some, some pretty good size fish on bed uh, here at Ray Roberts. And with everybody being stuck in their house, you know, they're wanting to get out and fishing is a great way to do that. I, you know, I don't want to go against what the governor's saying and tell everybody to get out all at one time. Uh, but, you know, people are, they're spending time with their kids a little bit more and they're taking them fishing, uh, you know, during everything else we've got going on. And, you know, last week when it got hot, you know, the fish were starting to make a run and then we've had several, several inches of rain. Uh, I think when it warms up later on in the week, I, I really think these fish will start trying to make a run. And as long as the beds aren't flooded out, you know, before all the rain hit last week, they were, they were catching some pretty good sized fish, but, uh, largemouth. uh, at largemouth, yes, yeah. sir. Yeah, yeah, largemouth. And, and the crappie, are they in the shallows right now? or? Uh, they're trying to get that way. There's mm-hmm. still more people are catching them on brush piles right now. Okay. Uh, but they've they've made an early run up in the creek and then kind of got sent back down. Yeah. So, uh, but it's definitely not for lack of effort people out fishing. Well, <laughs> let me ask you this. Are the, are, the, are the dogwoods blooming yet? Some are and some aren't. <laughs> That's what this, so this fishing guide a long time ago told me. You, you go catch the sand bass once you see the dog the dogwood blooming. You saw the, that, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a that's a pretty good wives' tale to go by for sure. Yeah. So, I've got a couple of holes that when I see them in there, I know that they're running for sure once they're there. But uh, like I said, people are definitely out and about fishing for sure. Well, you know, once we're all done with this quarantine thing, maybe you and I will have to go wet a line sometime. Absolutely. Sounds great to me. I know a few good guides. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. Well, hey, Stormy, I I certainly appreciate it, man. Thanks for all you guys do. And uh, do do let me know if if you guys find out the perpetrators from from the the video. Absolutely. We sure will, Cable, and and keep in touch. If you need anything, please let us know. All right. Take care. You bet, man. Bye-bye. There he goes. Cook County Game Warden Stormy McQuiston. Uh, always great checking in with Stormy. And it was interesting to hear him uh, at the beginning of our conversation talk about that Denton County case and, and how 
a case like that can make a, a career for a game warden. Uh, so they do put stock into those uh, high-profile cases, which they should, uh, but it's just interesting to hear that. Um, and, and they did a great job making sure that that buck was wiped from the annals of Texas deer history. No fault of the buck, a hell of a deer, but uh, shameful by the, uh, the the fellow who poached it. Uh, that segment of the presentation brought to you by First Light and the new Ridgeline Quarter Zip. I'm a big fan of this piece, and it just came out this week. Uh, perfect for you know, wake up early. It's a little cool. Slip that bad boy on over your uh, base layer and uh, block the wind. And also, if it gets wet, it dries very quickly. It's the Ridgeline Quarter Zip. Uh, you can find it along with all of First Light's great gear, including the new Ash Gray lineup right there at firstlight.com. First Light, go further, stay longer. Up next, we check in with Brian Lynn, VP of Communications for Sportsman's Alliance. What are some of the more pressing anti-hunting bills currently introduced on state levels? Uh, we discuss next on the Lone Star Outdoors Show. Hey guys, Cable here, and uh, I want to tell you about outdoor access. See, access is the one thing I hear hunters complaining about the most. They don't have a place to hunt, but they want to, right? Well, outdoor access is the solution to that problem. Think Uber, but for hunters. It's a membership-based program. It's only $9 a month, but it gives you access to a list of properties for uh, hunting whatever you want. You want to hunt deer one weekend? Great. You want to hunt ducks on another property the next? Fine. Turkey on another? You have dozens to choose from. And it's a lot less expensive than paying for a traditional 52-week lease. So if you're interested in basically what I call Uber for the outdoorsman, use the activation code Lone Star at checkout. Just go to outdooraccess.com. That's outdooraccess.com. And use my promo code Lone Star for 30% off your membership. That's outdooraccess.com. Is that the question? And if so, if so, who answers? Who answers? I, oh, I'm still alive. Hey, I, oh, I'm still alive. Hey, I, well, we can't do 90s rock and roll without a little Pearl Jam alive coming at you on the Lone Star Outdoors Show 90s Rock Edition. Cable Smith riding shotgun with you today. Thanks for being here. As man, We are rocking and rolling, literally. Uh, about to visit with Sportsman's Alliance VP of Communications, Brian Lynn. Some concerning stuff out there, as always, and Sportsman's Alliance is on the front lines doing their part to keep us in the loop because there's so many bills introduced across the entire country, state to state. Literally, who's keeping tabs on it, right? Somebody has to. And so that's why Sportsman's Alliance is vital to our future as a hunting and outdoor community. Um, before we visit with Brian, this segment of the presentation 
Proudly brought to you by Vortex and the Fury HD rangefinding binocular. If you're a minimalist like me, you want to take as few pieces of gear into the woods or into the backcountry as possible. That's why the Fury is one of my favorites because it combines a high-quality laser rangefinder with a great binocular. You can find the Fury at VortexOptics.com. Vortex, the force of optics. With that being said, let's go ahead and bring on our next guest. Joining us now, our old friend, Brian Lynn of Sportsman's Alliance. Thanks for being here, man. Great being on, Cable. <laughs> yeah, man. It is my pleasure. Now, you're actually uh, you're up in Washington, and yeah. I think this virus is everywhere now, obviously, but that was like one of the, the epicenters in, in the United States. Um, are people just going crazy there, and, and how are your folks? I know that you're having to take care of them. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. We're in the hot spot up here, you know. It kind of came in from Seattle and it's made its way east here, and I'm on the east side of the state. And uh, you know, it's uh, it's pretty nuts. Everybody's uh, pretty uptight about it, and store shelves are empty, and and everybody's just kind of sitting tight. Uh, yeah, back taking care of the folks a little bit and helping them, and trying to keep them inside as much as possible, and doing rehab and PT for them, and mm. all that. So just hanging tough. Yeah, I just I think some people have, don't understand the severity of this situation. Like my, my mom's a dentist, and she was seeing patients up until last week, and I was like, "Mom, my family's been on lockdown for like ten days already, and you're like you're out and you're, you know, sixty five years old, and what in the hell are you doing? Like, yeah, you're, you're like yeah, you're no, right in that uh... in that demographic of people who could get killed from this." Yeah, yeah, my folks are, you know, 68 and 75 and recovering from some cancer and hip surgery and all that. And, uh, you know, that's it's no joke. And, you know, the scary part is that incubation period of 14 days, and you don't know who does have it or doesn't, but they're transmitting it. And, yeah. you know, it's just, uh, it's it's something, you know. So I'm not taking any chances. My son's diabetic, and my folks are susceptible, so... I've just been hunkering down, bought some bullets, some beer, a generator, and uh, <laughs> food. So <laughs> I bought some bullets and beer. I like that. That needs to be on a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when everybody was going for TP, I went for the uh, AR ammo. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I was at the sporting goods store last week, and I was wearing a mask. I went up there um, to get some ammo, and also my son lost his uh, his, his basketball popped, and so – we're stuck at home, and all he wants to do is shoot hoops. I'm like, oh God, I gotta go get him some a basketball and and the and the ammo. They were like only three boxes per person. That was the all they would sell you. So it's absolutely nuts. And uh, oh yeah, and you yeah, see all these they're, folks they're limiting who, it up here too. Now all of a sudden, a bunch of uh, people who previously didn't own firearms are wanting to go buy guns. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's kind of what's funny up here, especially is, uh, you know, it's so crazy up here. They've passed just about every gun control measure there is. Mm -hmm. And the last one that they did through ballot initiative um, required a 10-day waiting period. Mm. And so now all these people rushing out who were previously against, you know, who voted for this thing are now ticked off because they have to oh, wait, wait 10 why days. Why do I have to wait 10 days? Uh, oh, because you're an idiot and you voted for that. So. Here's yeah. your sign. Yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, Careful what you wish for. Yeah. Well, man, um, I wanted to talk about some of the more pressing pieces of legislation that are currently out there. Um, 
what would you say are the uh, just give me like the top three, four, or five that are like really in Sportsman's Alliance crosshairs as we speak? Yeah, so that's uh, you know that's, it's hard to say. There's so um, many, right? But which ones are the most yeah. pressing, and and in places where they're the most likely to get passed? Yeah, so there's like about 285 bills we're actively engaged in uh-huh. and working on, and we're monitoring even more. But and that spans it's the entire country, and it takes all these different little slivers. But like a lot of the big ones are Africa import bills. Um, the contest stuff is still alive. That's what we saw come out last year, and a lot of it's continued either carryover bills, or they've introduced it again, or introduced it in new states, stopping wildlife contests, mm-hmm. and then the dog stuff. You know, it's a it's an easy sell for them. It sounds reasonable. If, you know, it's in one state here and one state here, it sounds reasonable to dog people, you know, that are your pet buyers and owners and all that. But when you look at it from a 30,000 foot view, you see it definitely a, a coordinated effort because it's all the same type bills, tethering bills, outside dog bills. Um, here in Washington, I actually got this, they actually let me sit on the uh, committee not the committee, but the uh, working group, because uh-huh. um, they were trying to redefine pain and suffering uh-huh. and animal cruelty. And what they were doing was equating it to humans. So uh-huh. if you feel uncomfortable, and, and it was from excruciating pain to mild discomfort and of physical or psychological. So mild discomfort psychologically, if you would feel that, then it can be presumed that an animal would feel that. Right, of course. Without even training a dog. <laughs> even any any kind of learning, there is discomfort, psychological discomfort, right? You're, you're stressed. You're Shot caller. Like, that doesn't feel good. I know one. because when I was a pledge, they put it on me. And, uh, <laughs> and I know well, that I'm it, yeah, even it, teaching my, I'm teaching my puppy how to do the hold. We're going through hold conditioning. Uh-huh. He's stressed during that time, right? Yeah. Like he's stressed trying to figure out what to do and all that. That would be a violation. Uh, the e-collar is what I brought up is, Hey, you know, I'm knowingly, yes, I'm imparting a shock to this animal and it doesn't feel great, but it also has been taught not to do this. You know, mm-hmm. and so it went went round and round and round. I think I was in oh five or six meetings for over an hour. You know, and it was HSUS was in the meeting, and everybody else. We brought in AKC on our side, the horse guys, the cattle guys, and anybody that trains an animal straight. on some level is yeah. imparting a level of physical discomfort. And no one's advocating for animal abuse. I mean, we love our animals, uh, whether that's you know. Uh, my, my lab bell or the guys that I, I went hog dogging with last week that their, their animals are more of a tool, you know, but they still care for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. but that's part of yeah, training them. those dogs. They don't have a job, right? They aren't bringing in income. So they're going to take care of them. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, but yeah, any, any training, even sending your dog into cold water, like up here, you know, my lab jumps in the, the, you know, expected to jump in the lakes and the rivers and there's ice on it. And it's, you know, mid thirties or forty degrees. Well, that's could be discomfort, you know, to a human. I mean, and I said that in the meeting. I'm like, Hey, y'all go jump in the lake or roll around in the snow out there and tell me how you feel after thirty minutes and tell me how your dog feels. Uh, this is not an equitable exchange here. Uh my dog um, has a we pretty were... thick fur coat that is designed to repel water. So 
Yeah. Yeah. So we got that killed. We got that uh, language taken out, you know, but those are the kind of things we're seeing, like definition changes to pain and suffering, definition changes to uh, the number of dogs that are sold. So in, where was it? I think it was in Florida. If you transferred more than four dogs, four puppies, you are now considered a pet vendor Hmm. and you would be subject to the same things as a high, as a high end, you know, a uh, pet store or somebody who breeds a lot, you know, for four pups, less than wow. a litter. So yeah, uh, one litter and you're a vent, you're now a vendor. Um, yeah. Just pure stupidity. So those, you know, the dogs, outdoor dogs, tethering bills, you know, which affects the bird dog guys and anything like that. Any uh, hounds. So yeah, those are, those are the big things. Huh. Yeah. I mean, go, going back to the, any guy who, has hounds like whether that's for hog dogging or um cougars or whatever i mean you're gonna have dogs tethered and you're gonna have a lot of them i mean this is these are designed to put those people out of business yep or maybe they don't even do it for a job maybe they just do it for fun right but again no you're not gonna be allowed to do that if they have their way yep Yep. And a lot of times it's a direct, what we see is that there's a direct assault, like, okay, we're going to stop mountain lion hunting with dogs, or we're going to stop, you know, this action, a a direct confrontation. A lot of the stuff with the dogs is kind of a backdoor economic, you know, when you start talking about breeding, you start talking about uh, kennel restrictions or housing requirements, Pennsylvania, um, Pennsylvania, New Hampshire, Wisconsin, Massachusetts, you know, we're just a handful of the states that were talking about banning outdoor dogs. They can't be outside for more than 15 minutes if it's below 32 degrees. Or like and above 75 or some BS like that. Yeah. You know, even if there's shelter or they have to have a shelter that's built to, I'm not kidding, a code. There's coding. Oh, here's your AC unit. Over here, little doggy. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so it's like all these things are seeing that. If you are a breeder or you're a professional trainer or boarding kennel or whatever, now all of a sudden you have to have this specifically built shelter for every single dog you're going to have in the place. Well, what that does is it's an economic deterrent yeah, and makes it impossible to do business at all. You know, even if the dogs are safe and sheltered and whatever else, you have to have this type of shelter. You have to have this, you know, you have to increase staff in order to make sure that water doesn't get knocked over and therefore they are without water for 10 minutes or whatever. All that does is add to the economics of the dog of selling, breeding, whatever, training dogs makes it more expensive for the person producing and training the dogs. So therefore they have to pass that on to the puppy buyer or whoever is. And the people designing, you know, coming up with these bills, they're well aware of that. It's designed to put people out of business. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, or make it economic. They do the same thing with the egg industry. You know, oh, here's your eggs that are being produced by chickens or cattle or whatever. Nope, they have to have each one of them has to have this much space. Well, that reduces the m- number of animals they have, increases the costs, which then gets passed on to the consumer. So mm-hmm. people aren't eating meat and eating eggs. It's an economic deterrent. You know, it's, you know, if you look at the sin taxes and things like that on cigarettes and alcohol, as those increase, the use does decrease. Hmm. So it's uh, it's an economic deterrent that they're using in, in some of these things. Yeah, and I, you know, I had on a uh, dietitian a couple weeks ago, Diana Rogers, our sustainable dish. And 
it's kind of gone away temporarily, but it will be back. But this uh, syntax on meat, like there's the left, these people that want to, you know, do away with hunting and are animal rights activists. Uh, they also obviously want to do away with eating meat and they want to put a tax on, on meat at the grocery store. So not only uh, affecting that industry and, and the people, people's right to eat what they want, but nutrition, like meat's good for you. I, anyone that yeah. doesn't know that is an idiot. Um, it's scientifically proven that you cannot get all the nutritional value you need from like a vegan diet. It just, you have to take so many supplements. So it's unnatural, but they want to tax people for trying to be healthy. It's just such BS. It's mind blowing. It's in tax. Yeah. Give me no, a break. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, and, and now it's a lot of this stuff is it, you're seeing it ramp up in the penalties. So, you know, a lot of the Africa stuff or the importation stuff we're seeing are having felonies attached to them. New York has a felony attached to it. This uh, is a proposed bill. Attached for it. Yeah, proposed bills are active right now on importing African uh, species. So you go over to Africa, you, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. whatever. You can't bring it back in. And if you do, it's possession. And then if you're caught with the possession, it's a felony. It's equivalent to manslaughter. Well, and I think I'm going to go into this stuff, that Africa stuff, even uh, into more detail with Dallas Safari Club Executive Director Corey Mason next week. Yeah. But I do know that California, um, it, it, it it's more than just importing. They're trying to currently, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Brian, but don't they currently have a piece of legislation out there, proposed legislation, that would make it just even in your possession. So your grandfather shot an elephant 40 years ago, and that ivory has been passed down to you. Now, if you're in possession of it, that's a felony. Uh, it, yeah, it's not a felony, but it's uh, it's a fine. A fine. So they're going uh, a minimum of $5,000 and up to $40,000 per piece. So if you got two tusks, $40,000 each. If you have, you know, you got your different heads on the walls, that's $40,000 per animal. So you could rack up into the millions quickly with some of these folks that are, you know, have been going to Africa. If you can't prove you had it before January 21st, 2021, you know, if it were to get passed, you have to keep all the documentation for everything forever. And this is just, you're right. It's not importation, it's possession. Yeah. And that could include going through the state, shipping through FedEx, whatever. Um, and, And there's also... To even make it worse, there is a reward for so if somebody turns you in and says, "Hey, cable has uh, has some heads of hyenas and whatever else on his wall," and fishing game comes in or whoever's going to enforce it, I guess it'd be them, um, and cites you and it goes to trial and you're found guilty, they get a five hundred dollar reward. So now you have people, you know, incentivized to turn in people. Wow, narcs for. Legally acquired taxidermy and trophies. Absolutely incredible. We are going to take a quick break, Brian. Uh, Come back and get into whether or not one political party is more responsible than the other for introducing these types of bills. Or perhaps it's more closely related to urban versus rural. Uh, Are you cool to stick around for a few more minutes? I'm here as long as you want me, buddy. Good deal. And that segment brought to you by Rustic Reminders. Taxidermy, whether it's a whitetail, an axis, or an African safari... Maybe you just hooked that fresh or saltwater fish of a lifetime. They do it all with great turnaround time. They answer the phone when you call, and the work is impeccable. You can find them 
at grthenumber8mounts.com. That's grthenumber8mounts.com. We'll be right back with more from Sportsman's Alliance. Brian Lynn on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Live Oak Outdoors offers some of the best waterfowl hunting in the Central Flyway, hunting over 2,000 acres of cut rice along the coast that attracts wintering geese by the tens of thousands. Hunts take place out of layout blinds or white parkas over a spread of 1,500 decoys. It's also common to shoot pintail and other puddle ducks in the goose spread. Professional guides make sure you have a safe and memorable hunt of a lifetime. They're based out of El Campo, Texas. Check them out at liveoakoutdoors.com or you can book your hunt by calling Chris Slimp at 832-466-9646. Yeah, here come the rooster. Cable Smith, welcome everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoor Show, 90s Rock Edition. Thank you for being here today, little Allison Chains Rooster. Man, so many good memories as we uh, take a look back at, I think, what, what was a great decade for music, the 90s. And uh, I think coming up in the not-so-distant future, we'll do a classic rock version as well. Uh, stuff that my dad brought me up on, like uh, Led Zeppelin, Leonard Skinner, The Cars, whole gambit, ZZ Top. Uh, so keep that in mind. We'll we'll do a, a classic rock version uh, somewhere on down the line. Uh, but next week we'll be back to our country roots, that's for sure. Um, man, it's great to be here with you today as we are visiting with Sportsman's Alliance VP of Communications, Brian Lynn, and we're going to pick it back up with that conversation momentarily. But first, this segment of the show is proudly brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit. You know, land is the one thing they ain't making any more of, but we all want it. Lone Star Ag Credit has been helping its borrowers finance their own piece of paradise for over 100 years, whether that's uh, something that you want for recreating, running cattle, hunting, fishing, or just to get the hell out of the big city. They got you covered. You can find them at LoneStarAgCredit.com. And with that being said, uh, let's get back into it here with Brian Lynn of Sportsman's Alliance. You know, we talked about some of the ridiculous anti-hunting legislation being introduced on state levels in the previous segment. Let me ask you this very pointedly. Which political party is generally responsible for such legislation? I mean, if you if you go broad brush, you can say it's the liberal, but really it's it comes down to 
urban versus rural. Mm. Okay. Um, a lot of the dog stuff, the, the, the right side, the conservatives introduce, you know, a lot of times because they think they're doing something good. And it's like, no, shame on my party for that. More of a, more of a rural versus urban type thing. You know, they're, their voter base and voter block is disconnected from all of this, you know, and humane society and all these other groups make a lot of noise and have a ton of money. They can run social media campaigns. Why do they have so much money? Bears because, because they don't put any of it back into what they claim they care about. No, it's all used. Little old lady out there is giving $5 a month to them thinking they're saving puppies and kittens. Yep. Yeah, you know, and, and all it's doing is dog. going is being used to sue organizations like U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and uh, other you know state wildlife agencies and uh, for, and for lobbyists ridiculous and ads that say feeding kids meat should be a crime. Like I or yeah. hey, uh, there's a recent one from PETA where it's a kid smoking a cigar and it says allowing your kids you don't you wouldn't let your kids smoke so why would you let them eat red meat? <laughs> like. Yeah, that's what yeah, you're no. paying for, people. When you donate money to PETA or HSUS, that's the reality. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, there it is, and it's the lobbyists they pay to pass legislation in each of these states. It's uh, ballot campaigns, ballot initiatives. When they do that, they're the ones behind these things, like Maine, Montana. You know, these different places that have seen ballot initiatives. It's not the locals that are doing it. It's the state director for HSUS comes in and files it. Yeah. You know, it's like, geez, you know, the in Arizona with the cat stuff, it literally was the gals. She used her HSUS email to register it. And then they create this idea that all these people in Arizona want to protect mountain lions and ocelots and Canadian lynx that have never been documented there. Right. When none of anybody cares. Nobody a little warm for a lynx in Arizona. On. Yeah. What was that? I said a little warm in a, for a lynx in Arizona. A little bit. A <laughs> little bit. You know? Yeah. Uh, they can say endangered and all this when the, with the media then. You know? So it's, uh, it's a shell game. It's a uh, misdirection. It's, uh, it's a PR game. You know? And they have a ton of money that they can do that with and a sympathetic message. You know? And then you got the disconnected urban voter who goes, oh, yeah, that seems reasonable. Yeah. I'm, I'm for that. And it kind of gains steam as it goes. People need to get their heads out of their asses because big government is bad government. I mean, and it's the same. Like we're we're losing Americans are losing their lives. They're losing their jobs. The economy's in the crapper. And there's this bipartisan effort to pass a stimulus package. I know. I mean, I already lost one sponsor that was like, "Man, we just can't. We just got to wait until all of this goes away before we can, we'll revisit our contract." You know, I was just like. I get it, you know. Um, so it's affecting my bottom line, you know, and it's affecting every listener out there. And if it isn't already, it's going to. And so we've got this stimulus package, and I'm reading today, and I mean, I'm just furious that Pelosi and her cronies blocked it because they wanted to wedge things in there that had to do with uh, same-day voter registration and carbon emission taxes. And I'm looking at the state of our country, and I'm like, how freaking petty is that? We are in dire straits, and they're worried about or same-day voter registration. You know, it's just yeah, solar panels, uh, the Kennedy Center, and yeah, different things. Oh, that, like that. that's I get the thirty-five million dollars for the Kennedy Center. That that you know, yeah, just, 
mm-hmm. you know yeah you know and uh yeah unfortunately that's politics today you yeah. know so it uh they they need to get with it though you know uh it's it's not easy no we're a pretty partisan country right now and a lot of it again boils down to urban versus rural voting you know and and uh what each of us wants so yes thing and uh you know a lot of our stuff they just don't identify with they don't understand and then they don't have to deal with the ramifications of mismanagement you know here in washington you know the mountain lions using hounds is banned for mountain lions and bears has been for 20 years now uh well you know what that means it means you you never never killing a mountain lion seattle does yeah you know, uh, you know, the Seattle doesn't have to deal very often with mountain lion issues. Right. Outside of Seattle, right outside Seattle, there was a person killed what, two years ago. And, uh, you know, there's the state. I have a buddy who killed 70 cats last year for the state that were depredation cats. 70. Just around Spokane. That's, that's one just houndsman. Yeah. And he you killed know, them. For the state. Yeah. And those cats just get thrown into a ditch. I mean, they're not utilized. Thrown in the dumpster. No, nope, so, not at all. And there's a there's a renewable resource right there that hunters were controlling, maintaining, managing, and now the state is paying <laughs> your buddy to go kill 70 cats on the taxpayer's dollar. It's just, yep. and you see the same crap in California, um, and it's yeah. just. It's, and in California, they have to do a necropsy afterwards, and right. that has to be. Paid for by this well, I'll tell you what, it was a bullet a... in the head that killed it, okay? I mean, the dogs treat it, <laughs> I shot it, here's your necropsy. No, 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 sir, no, yeah. no, Trapper John. Uh, we're going to go ahead and spend uh, five grand to actually find out what killed it. It was a twenty-two yeah. bullet in the head, let me tell you. I already know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, but that's where it goes. And But those or- urban voters who pass this stuff don't have to deal with the repercussions. They are not having cattle or lambs or anything eaten by coyotes or mountain lions or bears or you know and grizzlies are starting to come back you know kind of in the area where i'm at just north of me is you know they don't they're not out there dealing with it and don't have their livelihoods or their kids impacted by it very often mm-hmm. you know uh gosh where was it new hampshire you know they have bills that uh wanted to end trapping or open the door to end trapping and then uh, banned coyote contests and other forms of contests. They had a coyote running around town terrorizing people, like Cujo. It attacked two people and then went after a little toddler, and the dad ended up killing him with his bare hands. And it was rabid. Oh, wow. And, you know, so it's like, here you're trying to end management practices that will reduce those numbers, and... You're having one that's running through town, biting people. Mm. You know, it's just, it's just hard to believe. This is a messed up world that we live in, all every way you look at it. And uh, we'll see what happens with this crisis that we're in right now. But at least all these bills are probably on hold right now, as as everything is shut down. So. Yeah, know. yeah, a lot of uh, most of the places have gone into recess. Most uh most legislatures have gone into recess. Some have adjourned. Maryland adjourned a couple days early. Um, you know, because of this COVID-19 stuff. Uh the other ones are in recess. 
bunch of them get out in May and June, you know, so they'll come back in and they'll just adjourn. Uh, and then some of them, New York, New Jersey, I believe, a couple of them, California, don't end until the end of the year, hmm. you know, so January. So this stuff could all blow over, you know, run its course or whatever into the summer or whatever, and they could come back in. Um, but right now, most places are in recess. So, yeah. you know, yeah. people had more things to worry about, you know, staying alive daily. Right. You wouldn't see ridiculous legislation like we see for the animal rights stuff. And you're starting to see more politicians test positive for coronavirus, too. So what, you know, incentive do they have to all be uh, in the same room, right? I mean, like, I, I'm trying to yeah. stay six feet away from everybody, except for my wife and kids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. man. Yeah. Well, yeah, so it's, uh, it's going to shut a bunch of stuff down and slow it down. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, so that's good, I guess, as far as the animal rights stuff. And, yeah. And, and you guys were supposed to have a big meeting here in Texas, uh, I believe next month, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. We were supposed to have the board meeting down there, uh, next week, mm. you know, the end of the end of the month, the 30th to the first was our supposed to be our board meeting down there. And, uh, we canceled that a couple of weeks ago. So yeah. everybody is just locking down. So. Well, so where can folks follow along or, uh, also become uh, a member of uh, sportsman's Alliance? Yeah, we're on, uh, you know, all the platforms, uh, Facebook and Instagram and, uh, uh, Twitter and all those. It's uh, Sportsmen's Alliance, and also online you can find us uh, our website, and uh, there and Facebook are probably the most active. Um, but Sportsmen's M E N S Sportsmen's Alliance dot org. And and I would say that basically you serve the hunting community like the NRA serves the firearm owning community. I mean, on the front lines, and that's why I'm so thrilled about our partnership going forward uh, because I want everybody to know about Sportsman's Alliance. Uh, you guys are doing great stuff in D.C. and I, I don't see anyone else out there that has the resources to keep everyone abreast of, of all of these bills. There's so many in every state. Uh, so it, it really is a, a huge job um, and I'm very appreciative that you guys are out there trying to keep us all aware of what's going on. Yeah, no, thank you, and, uh, you know, we're looking forward to this as well. And, uh, yeah, I uh, asked the government affairs guys for a rundown of what's still active and what's going to talk about this stuff. And, they, you know, I, I know what you guys know when they send me an alert and I put it out there on Facebook and send it to the state. You know, you can sign up for your state, put in your uh, information, and every time we send out an alert for your state, you'll get it. Um, mm, but, you know, perfect. those are the ones I know about. Well, he sent me this huge list of things I hadn't even heard about. And he's like, oh, yeah. You know, so this this group of two to three guys are monitoring 300 bills in 50 different states daily, you know, and they're in committee meetings, you know, and uh, working groups and talking with senators and calling them and either buttering them up or yelling at them or whatever, going back and forth. And, uh, you know, they do they do great work. It's I can't believe what they what they go through and how much they get done with just two or three guys. Yeah. Yep. It's a, a thankless job, but I'm here to thank you. So we appreciate it. And thank you very much. Um, y'all check it out. Sportsman's Alliance. If you're not following along already, be sure to do that. Uh, Brian, we appreciate it. And we will do this again in the near future. Sounds great, Cable. Thank you. All right. Take care. Be safe. You too. 
Brian Lynn, VP of Communications for Sportsman's Alliance. Y'all be sure to check them out. Give them a follow on social media because, like I said, they are providing you and I a necessary service as we continue to fight this never-ending battle against the anti-hunting faction. Uh, that segment of the show brought to you by Stealth Cam. You know, the wireless camera packages these days are much more affordable. I think uh, I've got like seven or eight of the AT&T wireless. Each one's only like, I think, four or maybe $8 a month, depending on which package you choose. Um, so check it out. Stealth Cam has quite a few wireless camera options, and you can find them at stealthcam.com. Unfortunately, we got to get out of here flat out of time for today. Thanks to our guest, uh, Brian Lynn, as well as Game Warden Stormy McQuiston. Thanks to you guys and gals for being a part of the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Thanks to all of our sponsors as well. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying y'all have a great week self-quarantining in the great outdoors. Like life